Each summer, professional baseball and football have induction ceremonies into their halls of fame. And next Sunday, on July 24th, former Red Sox star David Ortiz is going to be honored along with Jim Cott, Tony Oliva, and the late Bud Fowler, Gil Hodges, Minnie Minoso, and Buck O'Neill. The newest members of the Football Hall of Fame, just in case you didn't know, are Tony Baselli, Cliff Branch, Leroy Butler, official Art McNally, Sam Mills, former New England Patriot Richard Seymour, Coach Dick Vermeil, and Bryant Young, former Eagles coach, Jill is telling me to say. And uh, they'll all be enshrined at Hall of Fame ceremonies in Canton, Ohio on August 6th. Now these men are part of an elite fraternity, an elite fraternity of professional athletes whose physical ability, discipline, training, and skill enabled them to accomplish incredible feats of strength and speed and coordination that made them worthy to receive the very highest honor in their sport. Yet, to see them in their highlight films when they were in their youth and their prime and their playing days and then to see what they look like today, we're reminded how fleeting life is. How fleeting life is. And our bodies, even the very best of them, age and change and nothing can stop the process. For most of us, old, is at least 10 years older than whatever age we are, right? Last summer, Jill and I hosted our first Brewster Whitecap who was born in the 21st century. Just mind-blowing, right? And physical training and physical fitness is something we all need to pay attention to, no matter what our age or stage of life. God created us with physical bodies that need proper nutrition, rest, exercise, and care. And yet, as important as physical training is, Paul writes in 1 Timothy that there's something that's even more important. There's another kind of training even more vital to your well-being. And we hear about that in 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in the second half of verse 7, where Paul writes to Timothy and to all of us, train yourself in godliness. For while physical training is of some value, godliness is valuable in every way, holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. So Paul begins by acknowledging properly that physical training is of some value. It helps you get the most out of your body. And it increases your strength, your flexibility, your endurance. It helps you fight off illness and disease. You hopefully recover faster from injuries, although sometimes the court's out on that one. <laughs> and the endorphins produced by exercise benefit your attitude and your sense of self-confidence and well-being. And so when you're engaged in regular physical training, whether that's walking, whether that's swimming, whether that's running or biking or lifting weights or doing yoga or playing a sport, whatever it is, it often makes you feel better about yourself. And this all makes a significant difference. And if you haven't been doing any physical training on a regular basis, it can be a little discouraging and challenging when you start up again. Just be patient with yourself. Just do a little bit every day and set small goals and 
That'll enable you to mark some progress. And the good news is, if you stick with it for the long haul, you will see improvement. You will. Physical training is of some value. Now, one of the interesting things to me about this scripture from 1 Timothy chapter 4 is that the Greek word that's translated as train is gymnazo. That means exercise. It's the same root of the word that we get gymnasium from. And it's also used in several other places in the New Testament to talk about training because we can be trained, we can exercise ourselves. The New Testament says either in godliness or we can train ourselves, a person can, in sin. For example, just like 1 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Peter chapter 2 and verses 14 and 15 is also a warning about the influence of false teachers. And it says, they have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. Accursed children, they have left the straight road and have gone astray. And it's unbelievably to me how relevant that verse still is today because false teachers are still going astray in the same ways that they did in the very first century. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14, the author is lamenting the spiritual immaturity of people who should know better but who haven't trained or exercised themselves in godliness. Hebrews says, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk being still an infant is unskilled in the word of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose faculties have been trained by practice to distinguish good from evil. Too many Christians today, it seems to me, have great difficulty distinguishing good from evil even when it seems obvious. And this reveals a lack of spiritual training and maturity and discernment. Physical and spiritual training, it requires strenuous effort. Jesus, as always, is our example as we're reminded in Hebrews chapter 12 beginning at verse 1. Where it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. You're going to hear a little bit more about this passage in August, so I'm not going to say any more about that. Later on in Hebrews chapter 12, it speaks again about the importance of discipline and training. It says, beginning at verse 11, Now discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time. Did anyone ever have a parent say to them, This is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you? 
You always wanted to say, well, let's trade places then. Discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those, say this with me, who have been trained by it. Training. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Some Sunday, I'm going to ask everyone who's had a knee replacement to stand up. I swear, I'm going to do that sometime. Strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet. It's what we're called to do. Finally, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 declares, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing, bringing salvation to all, training us to renounce impiety and worldly passions and in the present age to live lives that are self-controlled upright and godly so as you can see in all these verses the bible says train yourselves in godliness for godliness is valuable in every way both in the present life and in the life to come this week i've communicated both in person and on the phone and in writing with many of you who are experiencing physical crises family and relational issues disappointment, heartbreaking grief, loneliness, the challenges brought on by aging, all of these things, all of these things can be met better and dealt with more successfully when you're training yourself in godliness. The book, The Art of Aging, a doctor's prescription for well-being by Dr. Sherwin Newland, I just thought this might be appropriate for one or two people in our congregation, makes the point, if you want to live well, and you want to age well, and who doesn't, you must participate actively in your own life. And his prescription for aging well includes four different kinds of exercise. He says, first, exercise your mind. Keep your mind active by reading frequently, reading the Bible, the newspaper, good works of literature, do crossword puzzles, visit museums, sign up for a class, but exercise your mind second he says exercise your body just like Paul does work out join a gym get yourself moving walk swim run do something third he says exercise your compassion as we grow older one of the good things is you may become more compassionate but that is by no means guaranteed some people as they get older actually get angrier and less empathetic. And Newland says, share with other people how much you care about them. Demonstrate you're interested in what they have to say and listen to them. So exercise your mind, your body, your compassion. And fourth, he says, stay connected. And social networks like the ones we develop by being a part of a church, being in a small group, being on a ministry team, these things contribute to the quality of your life. And staying active in your church and in your community helps keep you connected to other people. One of the things I think I'm learning the older I get is you mean more to those who love you than you may realize. You mean more to those who love you than you may even realize. One of the realities of life is that no matter what we do, eventually your body weakens as you age, but your spirit your spirit 
can grow stronger as long as you live. You know, some people find it hard to do physical exercise, whether as a matter of choice or self-discipline or time, and some of us are limited physically by our condition in terms of what we are able or capable of doing. The great thing about training ourselves in godliness, I know it's tough, it takes effort. Hang in there. The great thing about training ourselves in godliness is while, while there are some things that do take time, there's things you have to do that take time, like reading the Bible and praying and serving others that I'll mention again in a few minutes. Much of your training in godliness simply happens as you go about your life, being a parent. All the encounters that you have, that's where the gym is in training for godliness. It's just every encounter you have in your life as you're living your life. I was at a local grocery store, which I won't name. It was packed with people. And as I often like to do in the summer, I just made a game of I want to try to improve as many people's attitudes around me as I can. I just enjoy this. Uh, to me, it's fun. So I was standing in line at a deli counter, and there was this woman there, and she was lamenting how long things are taking. And I looked at her and I said, isn't it great to live somewhere where everyone wants to come to? And she looked at me, well, yeah, yeah, well, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm from Connecticut. I just come here in the summer. And, you know, I proceeded then to ask her questions. And I found out her, her husband had died 14 years ago. And so I'm asking questions. The time then went by really quick. And the next thing you know, she's being served. And so she placed her order and she didn't speak up very loudly. And the young woman behind the counter, who was clearly from Eastern Europe, asked her to repeat her order. And the woman did, and then she looked at me exasperated, wanting me to sympathize with her. And, and I looked at her enthusiastically, and I said, you know, can you imagine going to Montenegro for the summer and working in a deli? I could never do that. I really admire the attitude of these young kids who come over here and work. And she said, yeah, yeah, I couldn't imagine doing that either. You know, and... And then she began to object to the poor young woman because she wanted roast beef at the posted price. And, you know, one of the workers had put a more expensive roast beef behind the thing. And there was actually a $2 difference. And the young worker was trying to explain to her, it'll be okay. I'm going to give it to you at the posted price. You know, it was our mistake. And, you know, but the woman was getting angrier and angrier. And then her friend from Connecticut came by with the cart. And as the young woman was handing the roast beef... <laughs> across the counter, the young woman immediately began complaining to her friend and saying she was leaving the store because she'd had enough. And she launched into a complaint about the roast beef. And the poor young woman behind the counter said as she drove her cart away, she, you got it at the posted price. It's on your sticker. And I just looked at her. I just looked at her and I smiled. I said, you're doing fine. Don't worry about it. And she looked back at me and she smiled and she just rolled her eyes as if to say, what can you do? And what you can do is train yourself in godliness. Because every single encounter you have with another human being, every experience you have in life, every joy, every sorrow, every success, every failure, it's an opportunity to train yourself in godliness or it's a missed opportunity to do so 
Now, some of us are a little more into physical fitness than others in our congregation, but I guarantee you, if you ask the people who swim every day or like to go to the gym every day or work out every day, how do you feel when you miss that, when you don't get to do that? You feel miserable. You don't feel happy. You get ticked off. We need to train ourselves to get upset when we realize, I just missed an opportunity to grow in godliness. You with me? You see, so much of life depends on how you look at things. You can be defensive, see something as a personal affront or an attack or a chance to complain. You can see life through the lenses of self-pity. Or you can look at life through the eyes of faith and see every single thing that comes at you, every single thing that comes your way. This is an opportunity to train myself in godliness. This is an opportunity to develop my spirit and to become more like Jesus, which is what we are all supposed to be doing. When Hall of Fame New York Yankee outfielder Mickey Mantle was dying of diseases brought on by a lifetime of heavy drinking, he said he would have taken better care of himself if he had known how long he was going to live. So how should you take care of yourself when the Bible teaches that we are never ceasing spiritual beings with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. We talk about training for the long haul. Training for eternity is the long haul. So if you don't have one, perhaps you can adopt an exercise program for holiness. You can be training for reigning. And if you want to imitate Jesus, you can't do that if you just live like your old self. You need to live like Jesus lived. Athletes train until they can perform whatever it is they're doing without thought. And people who want to get in top physical shape, they often pay a physical trainer to guide and to motivate them. Well, you have a spiritual trainer, and his name is Jesus. He's our trainer. And Jesus demonstrates that there are some spiritual exercises that you can do, like worship and prayer and Bible study, that make it possible to do things you could never do just on your own effort, which is act like Jesus does in your encounters with people. So you need to be engaged in an exercise program for godliness. And for those of you who love tennis and may have watched Wimbledon, this is for you, especially you tennis players in the congregation. So the first thing you can do is study the manual and the practice of studying the scriptures. That's where we get the thoughts, the ideas, the images of scripture inside us. I mean, we need to have the word inside us so it's a part of just shaping who we are and what we do. So could you read or listen for 5, 10, or 15 minutes a day to the scripture? Study the manual. Second, listen to the coach. How many players at Wimbledon do you think have a coach to help them be their best? I'm going to guess it's somewhere near 100% of professional tennis players have a coach. Why? Because they know that will help them. Listening to their coach will help them fulfill their potential. So spiritually speaking, this is the practice of silence that enables us to Quiet the competing voices and noises so we can better listen to God's voice. So I want to encourage you this week, schedule one 15-minute period of silence. And sleeping doesn't count. <laughs> sleeping doesn't count. And for those of you who drive, you can do this in your car. You can drive in silence for 15 minutes. 
Uh, and Wayne Johnson, is Wayne here? I'm looking around. He's in the kitchen helping out. I was driving home from church this week, and I, I called Wayne about something. And as I was coming down 137, a car came out of Snow Road, never even slowed down, never stopped, just pulled out right in front of me. And I just started laughing. And, and Wayne said, what's so funny? I said, oh, this is what happened. This guy. And I'm coming further down 137. I get to Cummings Road. Same thing happens again. And I just cracked up. I'm just laughing. I said, I said to Wayne, I need to get one of those bumpers, like on a bumper car that goes all the way around my car here in the summer. But I'd like to think part of why I was able to laugh is because I was in a place of training myself in godliness that I didn't honk, I didn't yell, I didn't uh, wave with less than my whole hand or anything like that. So study the manual, listen to the coach. Third thing you need to do is improve your serve. You know, that's really important in tennis, having a good serve. And it's very important as a Christian. This is the discipline of service and obedience. So you learn. What service teaches you is, guess what? You're not the center of the universe. That's a helpful thing for some of us to be reminded of. So find a way to be a servant to at least one other person this week. You know, had a wonderful couple from our church. We had something happen with part of a tree fell down in our yard right before we were leaving for my uncle's funeral in Vermont. And I texted and this wonderful couple came over and took care of that while we were gone. Bless you. That was an example of the discipline of service, of improving your serve. And for those of you whose life consists of feeling like, that's is all I do, <laughs> is serve other people. Use it as a chance to grow in godliness. Fourth, play under control. It's very important in sports to stay within yourself, to play under control. And spiritually speaking, this is part of what the discipline of fasting does for us. Fasting teaches you don't have to be controlled by the appetites of your body. You can discover a deeper craving for God. So fast from at least one meal this coming week. Trust me, you will survive. And use the time instead to talk with God, to listen to God. Take that time. You could... 15 minutes of silence, 15 minutes of reading your Bible. You can do all three of these things in one fell swoop. And if there's a medical reason you don't fast, because every time I mention fasting, someone will always say, you know, there's some people medically who shouldn't fast. Fine. Put your phone away for an hour. Fast from technology a little bit. It's different things we can fast from. And fifth, learn from every match. You know, that's what athletes do. They watch film. They say, how did this go? How, did I, how do I get better? And spiritually speaking, this is the discipline of, jur of journaling. And in journaling, you learn to keep a record of your encounters with God. You know, what did we experience this day? What did I go through? And if you haven't, just start a notebook or a little spiral journal and just try writing briefly at the end of the day or the beginning of the day. Right? When were you aware of God's presence? Where did you feel joy? Where did you feel failure or weakness or heartache or temptation and then how did you feel about that and what was going on this is a way of learning from every match so study the manual listen to the coach improve your serve play under control learn from every match five things five fingers it's not that hard you can do this you know first corinthians chapter 9 paul says to all of us do you not know that in a race the runners all compete, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win it. I love that verse. Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box as though beating the air. 
but I punish my body and enslave it so that after proclaiming to others, I myself should not be disqualified. Now we know, let's, we're getting right down to it, that all athletes do not exercise self-control in all things. We understand that. Too many are in the news precisely because they're unable to exercise self-control when it comes to many areas of their lives or their relationships. Paul's point, though, is that athletes will sacrifice and discipline themselves through hard, punishing training in order to win a medal or a trophy or a title or a championship, and with it maybe some fame and fortune, like the trio of U.S. men who swept the top three spots in the 100 meters at last night's World Championships in Eugene, Oregon, that some of you may have watched. Jill loves watching track and field, so she loves this week being able to watch all this running. But even more important than physical training is spiritual training. Physical exercise is a crucial component of healthy living, but growing in godliness is valuable not only in the present, but for eternity. And I just want to say quickly as an aside, we drove up about five hours and change to Vermont on Friday and back yesterday for my Uncle David's funeral. And we drove through a lot of small towns, especially in Central Mass, up into New Hampshire, into Vermont. And you know what you see driving through New England now? You see building after building that used to be a church. That's now a home. It's now a historical society. It's now an office. It's now abandoned. And part of what I thought seeing one after another after another is, why is this important, what I'm talking with you about today? Because there is a competition going on. And we need to train ourselves in godliness. We need to understand that you know, there's two sides competing. And we want to be strong in the spirit of Christ. We want to be sharing our faith. We want to be embodying it and living it out. And that means that we are training for reigning in the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we ask that you would lead the way for us. Lead the way in growing in Christ-likeness. Give us the desire to become like Jesus Give us the spirit that we need to discipline ourselves, that we may live fully for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.